Hey everyone, it's Nathan here. Welcome to the podcast. If you don't know who I am, I'm a clinical psychologist who is really passionate about supporting the mental health and well-being of nurses and midwives. I recently had a really nice reminder as to why I do this work. One of the things that led me to create Nurse Wellbeing Mission was just witnessing the incredible care my dad received while he was dying in ICU and had a few experiences recently that reminded me of this and it really drives me and gives me motivation to put this work out into the world and to help people like yourself listening to this. So let's talk about today's episode. In this episode I'm talking to Liam Caswell who is someone that I really really admire. As a brief introduction to Liam, he used to be a nurse unit manager in Australia and then transitioned to developing his own life coaching and career support business, which has just taken off and is just so impressive what he's managed to achieve. Liam displays what I think is just such an admirable level of vulnerability. He really eloquently talks about the human experience and just cuts through some of the crap, quite frankly, that we as human beings kind of generating our own minds to get in the way of our own selves. He's got a really great perspective that is extremely helpful for his target audience, which tends to be nurses that are just graduating from their courses who are going out into the world of work. And he, he shares his amazing own personal experiences of mental ill health and burnout and how he overcame things and just gives people solid advice, including really really helpful mindset tips and tricks so this episode is fantastic it's a conversation between the two of us i really really enjoy connecting with liam every time i i have any interaction with him and he shares his personal story and it's really really powerful so if you are someone who is early career this is going to be really helpful for you but i think anyone any nurse or even midwives will, will find this conversation just fresh and enlightening so we'll be diving into it shortly. Before we do that, if you haven't already started following me on social media, you can find my free Facebook group. Just search for Nurse and Midwife Wellbeing Mission. It's where we share the podcast and loads of other videos, resources, things about events, including my new Stress Masterclass, which is a free event that you can sign up to and attend there. It's my core training for nurses and midwives that I'm really, really excited about. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Nurse Wellbeing, and you can find me on Instagram at underscore Nurse Wellbeing Mission. So let's get straight into this conversation with Liam Caswell. Oh, right, Liam, <laughs> welcome to Nurse Wellbeing Mission podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been looking forward to this conversation and well, I always enjoy our, our conversations. So uh, yeah, well, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. In this conversation, I would love to dive into your career, where, where you started and some of the highs and lows, because I know that that has really influenced what you're doing now. Mm. And, and of course, I, I'd love for you to sort of tell the listeners about what it is you're doing now with your business. And I, and I guess it really does relate to well-being in the sense that you're providing assistance for, for kind of graduates, aren't you? And, and there's obviously a lot of anxiety and mm. stress around that particular part of people's careers. So let's start with you to begin with. Why don't you introduce yourself? 
tell us a little bit about your journey, where you started uh, with nursing and, mm. and kind of where that led to. Awesome. Well, thanks for this opportunity. It's so great to connect um, and to chat to your nurse wellbeing audience. Um, so I'm Liam. I've been a nurse for over 12 years now, if my math's correct. And I graduated um, in Edinburgh in the UK and I um, started my career in a, a busy, acute uh clinical decision unit so like really busy kind of ed extension baptism of fire i was uh, 19 when i graduated so i was super super young and i um was thrown into the world of nursing and of course from the get-go into probably one of the most busiest areas in a busy hospital down in reading just outside london so uh, lots of things were going through my mind at that point i left home and i was really kind of struggling with the coming into the industry and coming in with kind of no support and just being thrown into the mix. So from there, I spent about a year and a half there. And that's where I noticed my like, people pleasing tendencies and all of my um, high performing tendencies. I was like, desperate to progress and to proceed. And within six months of being there, I'd like applied for this postgraduate certificate that like no one applies for within six months. But I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I got in and I was like, no, I'm just going to keep progressing. And I had this like real need to prove myself, I think, because I was so young. I had a lot of people tell me at the time, you know, life experience, you're not going to be a great nurse is what I heard throughout my whole degree. So I was trying to prove myself. From there, I kind of built my career in critical care, moved to intensive care, um, I worked there in the UK for a year and a half, did a lot of agency work for NHS nurses listening. I um, can relate to the low pay and the conditions and having to like really struggle every month to make money. I worked, you know, three 12 hour days a week in my critical care job and then two or three days extra as an agency nurse. So I was working, you know, between five to six 12 hour days a week and I still was on my credit card <laughs> I still was you know I still couldn't make ends meet and that was 10 10 12 years ago so I can't even imagine what it's like today from there I met my partner who's Australian and we moved to Australia landed in Sydney and I just thought to myself I'm just going to take some space because even three years in I was like oh, is this really what I want to do I was kind of like over it and I gave myself a month and I did barista training and did like you know uh working in um hospitality and I absolutely detested it I could not face it <laughs> I even tried sales and I was selling like car wash stuff to people it was so <laughs> random and I was like this is not for me so I got my app for registration and got into the hospital system did agency for two years in Sydney worked all over public private that was a real experience and kind of just kept building my skills so worked with universities and did lots of different things there and then we moved to Canberra where my partner got a job and I joined the system there. And that was kind of like the first time in Australia that I really noticed like a really, really bad cultural healthcare system. I took a job in an ICU. I was full time. And within about six months, I dropped to like two, three days a week, three, eight hour days because the culture was so bad and it was really impacting my well-being and my mental health. And from there, that's when I kind of started seeing a psychologist, right, as a nurse. And I love talking about that because I think it's so important. So from there, started seeing a psychologist, started unpacking my high performing tendencies and this need to prove myself to others and um, really started to see that, uh, you know, I did have a choice and that I was in control and, you know, that I didn't have to be the victim as such is kind of what I thought of myself at the time. 
And then from there, I started kind of unlocking some career paths. I started just betting on myself, started just having self-confidence and believing that I could create a nursing career on my terms. And I did that through applying for education jobs. I loved educating people. So I became a advanced life support trainer, um, taught people how to recognize deteriorating patients for a year. And then just from there, built my career. So medical educator, I looked after 150 staff across five in- inpatient acute medical wards, um, where for years they had had no education and it was a hot mess. And we, you know, really transformed that. And then I became a nurse unit manager all whilst doing two masters. So I say my high-performing tendencies stopped. They didn't, and they continue today. But um, I believe that I use them now for for good, and I I use them to empower me and other people. But yeah, I built my career up there, and then I got to nurse unit manager, which was my dream job. I always, always wanted to have a platform to be able to change the culture and influence nurses and our patients. And I got there, and it was it was hard. Like it was rough. It was a rough job and there was just absolutely no support. And on reflection through my whole career, I had no one to go to, no one to guide me, no one to support me in my decision-making. No one ever saw my skill set. No one was ever like, you're really great at this. or you're really good at this. And I also then didn't see it. So um, I burnt out probably three or four times through my career. I was very depressed and anxious for a while. And I got to a place where I just thought enough is enough. People need help. And I felt compelled in the the experiences that I'd had to be that person that offered help. So I quit my high paying nurse unit manager job, the security, the stability. And I went all in on creating a, a nurse career and life coaching service where I help nurses navigate the life and career struggles that they face day to day and help them see that they have so many options and that they are incredible and that they can do whatever they want with their nursing life and career. And um, that's my mission now is to just help nurses across the lifespan. So we help graduates predominantly, but we work with nurses that are 40, 50 years into their career that are at the end of their career as well. Um, So that's been such an incredible experience to help people just see that they have options. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> that's like 12 years and three, four minutes, but that's me. That's my life story. <laughs> Fantastic. It, would it be fair to say that your own experiences of adversity and some of the challenges that you've overcome and working your way through the system have, have really influenced what you're doing now and your desire to help the nurses in the way that you're helping them? Oh, 100%. I'm just mm-hmm. like so compelled to make sure that people don't go through what I went through. I just feel like there's such a gap in the support, the guidance, the mentorship, the coaching for nurses globally, that it's just, it's preventable. You know, we're in the business of preventing um, our patients from falling, preventing our patients from doing X, Y, and Z, but we're yet to like focus that lens on us. How can we prevent all of this from happening? And I know that you and I share that belief that it's totally 100% preventable. Yeah, Um, definitely. And it's something that we need to prioritise. Yeah, it really is. I think um, there's just not enough resources and effort put into that. Um, I know over in the UK, I'm not sure if you're aware of the PNA programme, Professional Nurse Advocate mm-hmm. Programme, which is mm-hmm. something that's started since you left the UK, which is definitely a move in the right step where it's all about restorative clinical supervision. So mm-hmm. nurses in sort of leadership positions are being trained to provide supervision to other nurses that is really a space for reflection so it sounds like that is to kind of fill that gap that 
you were talking about where you didn't have any support, no one to talk mm. to, no colleagues, which when you first told me that, I was so surprised, you know, that you'd, you'd managed to make your way up the kind of career ladder to such a mm. senior position. But along that journey, never had anyone apart yeah. from the external support that you'd reached out to the psychologist. And I know that you, mm. but it, was it during your career then you had coaching as well? Or was that after you left? Yeah, it's funny because I think that like, it's great that that's happening with the, um, the PNA program. That's awesome. And there's such a need for it. For me, the the psychologist was like a turning point in me taking back ownership of my life. Mm. And for me, overcoming all of the like life and, you know, kind of career trauma, I guess, that I had, because that's where the gap lies for us is that we're trained to be clinicians, we're trained to, you know, do cardiac, like CPR and all of the things. But we're not trained in the the humanness. We're not trained in the this human side of healthcare and how to human in adversity, like in constant fight or flight. And that's what we experience day in, day out is um, you know, this roller coaster ride, and we're just taught to suppress it all. And there's no way of processing it. So I'm really glad that that's happening. But you know, really what I think is missing is the the support for us to normalize the human experience as a clinician. I think that that for me was something that I just continued to push down instead of just being like, oh, it's totally normal for me right now to feel grief. The patient just died. Like I should not beat myself up because I now need to go and take three other patients. Like I need to create some space for myself. And I think we need to do better in the industry in that, in that space. Something I have a real sort of personal interest in, and I guess it's sort of where some of my expertise lies, is understanding the experience of shame. And shame is something that it's an emotion that we all experience, but it's something that I think often people don't have much of an understanding or even a real awareness of. And, you know, it's this feeling of not being good enough. That's what's at its core. And mm. it really shows up with things like imposter syndrome and comparing ourselves to others when we don't feel like we're doing a good enough job so you know this sort of comes up in this um concept of moral distress and moral injury within healthcare where resources and staffing are just so short that you just don't feel like you could be the kind of nurse that you want to be or provide the kind of care that you want to be um, and it's where we're just sort of doubting ourselves basically and i know that you've sort of shared before about how you would kind of compare yourself to others. And I'm just curious to, to mm. know a bit more about your experience, perhaps of shame when you were at those darkest points and things were really hard for you. Did, did mm. you experience that? Was it about kind of thinking you weren't good enough compared to others or yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. Totally. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a shame. Like it's so much shame through the whole process. Like, I think I had lots of different like flavors of shame, like, varieties of shame, you know, like, I don't know, like weirdly had shame around being a male in nursing, like, you know, like just standing oh. out and not being part of the pack, you know, yep. that was something being LGBTQIA plus, like that was another thing that just was like, felt like another layer of shame. And then like almost shame for being young in the career, like, cause people would like frown upon me moving up the ladder and there would be chatter behind the scenes and then shame day to day around not being able to deliver, you know, like that, what you touched on there, us being overworked and us being, you know, put in situations where it's just completely unreasonable for us to not experience shame. Like I kind of say that all the time in my coaching is like, it's unreasonable for you in this moment to not be experiencing 
imposter syndrome or shame mm. or fear or worry because look at the situation that you're in so I would say for me the shame probably was most prevalent as I built my career as I got higher and higher and moved up the chain because I don't know maybe naively I thought I was going to get more support more help more access to guidance and and insights but it just kind of compounded it it just got worse because now you're responsible for 50 staff and 30 patients who have like you know lots of family members and then you've got a medical team and an mdt underneath you and you know you carry all of that and there's no way to process it there's nowhere to go and if you do ever raise it you do ever say you know i'm really struggling right now it's like we we have this inability to accept like emotional vulnerability as clinicians, even though if our patient bursts into tears, we'd be sitting there and holding the hand. But for each other, we're just like, pull your socks up, get on with it. Yeah. I've literally had people say that to me. I've had people be like, why are you crying? Please. One manager said to me, don't cry. And I, I'm a crier. Like, so I'm wow. an emotional person. I will wear my emotion on my, and I will go there. Yeah. And they said to me, they could see it. And they said, don't cry. Like, please don't cry. And I'm like, oh, how interesting. Like, you, you're so uncomfortable with emotion. And that says more about you that you're not allowing me to express my emotion in this moment. You know, I had a day, Nathan, where I had eight complaints come in in one day as a nurse unit manager. And like two of them were like Human Rights Commission complaints. And then the rest of them were all like other little kind of micro complaints. But they just came in one after the other. Right. Like, and it was just one of those days. Yeah. And I just felt immense shame. I was like, mm. I am responsible for this team. And of course, my brain made it mean everything about me. Like, it was all my fault. Like, I'm terrible. I'm shit. <laughs> all of the things. And I, um, at the time, I didn't have access to coaching and psychology. And I'd, I'd done a lot of work with psychology, but I was like, I was in the moment and I was in the shame and there was no getting out of it. And I remember saying to my manager, I need to talk about this. And that was the person that said, you know, don't cry. And when they left, I, of course, cried. And I went, like, one of my graduates, of all people, walked into my office and was like, hey, Liam, I want to change my roster. And they saw me crying. And I was like, I was like, you know what? It's fine. Like, emotional vulnerability is something that I pride myself on. Yeah. And they they came and gave me a hug and they were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry you've had such a bad day. And I just was like, oh my God, there are, there are humans <laughs> that work in healthcare. And a lot of people think that as a leader, as an educator, as a senior, that being emotionally vulnerable is going to like trip you up or you know people are going to think that you're not strong and I found the opposite to be true of course I didn't spend my days crying you know in my office but I would express my emotion and it helped everybody see how much I was passionate about the work that we were doing and it also helped them humanize me and connect to me better mm. so I think we've got that wrong as well I think we need to feel the shame and experience that and the team are going to connect to you better if you're if you humanize it and say, hey, well, yeah, I'm a human and I feel shame too. Like the fact that we had 10 falls this month, it's not great. <laughs> like, you know, let's work through it together instead of just brushing it off and being like, let's do better. Next month, it should be zero. <laughs> yeah, that vulnerability is really a bridge to deeper connection. And, and like mm. you mentioned before, healthcare is, is about human experience and is ultimately about relationships, isn't it? Like you work in a team with other human beings, you work with patients. Who are other human beings? <laughs> yep. 
So actually, as a leader, having some vulnerability helps people connect with you. And then that builds trust and rapport. And uh, you, as a leader, you want to influence people and guide them, don't you? And, and that just mm. doesn't happen if they see you as some sort of robot who mm. is suppressing all their emotions. And so yeah, I really I really respect you for, for having that kind of style of leadership, because I think it, well, as we both know, it, it, it's lacking in a lot of places. Mm. thanks for sharing about your experience of shame though i think even that just will be so helpful for people to experience uh, to listen to um yeah my personal belief is that actually shining a light on this stuff is just helpful even at an early stage to let nurses know like it's you're going to experience shame at some point and this is what shame is it looks and feels like this i love that metaphor of like the different flavors of shame Mm. it shows up in these kind of times these kind of times and the more we normalize it and talk about it Mm. the thing that shame doesn't like is honesty and truth and speaking about it and when you do that it kind of like sort of like melts that icy kind of shamey kind of thing inside us Mm. right Um, Mm. yeah it's really interesting you say that because i think that I spend a lot of time trying to normalize what I call like nursing negative narrative, like the nursing negative narrative. I, I'm just like, it's normal. Like, why do, do we expect like our brains to just be like, oh, nursing is amazing because <laughs> it's not. And we're just lying to ourselves when we try and convince ourselves that it should be different than it is. So if we can normalize that and we can experience the shame and then we can separate it out. And this is like where the work that you and I do, right? And it's like, well, how can we then normalize it, experience it, and not use it against ourselves, not let it stop us from moving forward, not let it throw us into a spiral, you know, where we think that the whole world's going to end. Like, so I've been there, done that for 12 years. That was my story. And now it's like, no, like you, when you go for a new job, you're going to feel imposter syndrome. Like that's totally normal. Nothing's gone wrong. You will survive. You've been here before. And that in itself just allows people to kind of like consciously wake up and they're like, oh, So I think that that's super powerful for anybody listening. Let's start normalizing the inner chat that we have uh, and seeing how it's holding us back, but also knowing that it's optional. Absolutely. Something I'm really interested to know is you you have spoken a little bit, or I've heard you speak about your experience with psychology and and what you did. And it it was cognitive behavioral therapy, if I remember correctly. What was the most powerful thing that you learned from the therapy you had that, that you think mm. is worth sharing with other people I'm getting goosebumps when you say that because I am um, I just feel like psychology like changed my life changed the trajectory of my life and really helped me just process so much for me I did CBT initially and then I did schema therapy mm. um, so I did two types and initially the CBT was instrumental in helping me separate out the thought from the fact and it helped me just start seeing the thoughts for what they are right just sentences in my mind and it helped me start taking back control and then the schema therapy was instrumental in me identifying accepting loving respecting all the different parts of me because I used to use all of that against myself you know I have a really loud inner critic that's why I called my brand high performance nursing because you know I'm a, I feel like a high performer I am a high performer and I used to use that against myself where now I'm like that's my superpower that's what I do really well so the schema therapy was really that was a game changer for me in just building a better relationship with myself you know, I think a lot of the time we think that psychology is going to help 
us change other people or you know i don't know what we think when we go into psychology but that's what yeah. i thought i thought the whole world needs to change i'm fine <laughs> everything else needs to change and i was re in that real victim space like everything was happening to me instead of me seeing that i have full control over my like my whole world and it comes from within and schema therapy my therapist in um, australia was incredible both of them were but she was incredible and uh it changed changed everything about how i talk to myself how i look after myself understanding and normalizing what i do and why i do it you know and like noticing and recognizing like oh that's right of course the critic's gonna show up today because i'm doing a podcast with nathan and it's gonna be like you didn't answer that perfectly <laughs> right and it's like let's normalize the heck out of that instead of afterwards me being like spiraling for the next day nathan must think that i'm terrible right and that for me was so so freeing i have no words like have no words i used to sweat the small stuff all the time and now i really don't think about it so psychology changed my life. Well, obviously, as a psychologist, I'm very, very pleased to hear that. <laughs> Nathan did not pay me to say that. <laughs> this wasn't set up as some kind of way to promote psychology, but you know, mm. I know that you've genuinely had a great experience, and that's that's so good. I think for other people to hear, and also because of who you are and the fact that you've been in a you know real leadership position and real you a trailblazer in what you're doing as well now with your business and that kind of thing. It's so good to hear someone who's been to have therapy and is openly talking about it and you're able to explain what it is that changed and why that was mm. helpful. Mm. It's just, I just think it's essential that we all work on our relationship with ourselves. Like it can sound a bit fluffy and nebulous, but, but it, ultimately the way we interact with the world is dependent on how we relate to ourselves. Totally. And um, yeah. some of that stuff, like you said, with the schema therapy, you know, I'm a big believer in that understanding with different parts of ourselves because mm. in any given situation, there are different things at play, whether it is that inner critic or it's the angry part of us or the sad part of us, whatever it is. And that just just awareness of that in itself, I think, can be helpful because mm. it means we don't cling to one particular mode, one, one type of emotion or one particular thought pattern because we can get some distance from it. Like you were saying, you learned how mm. to do. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that um, really what it comes down to is just taking the responsibility for yourself. And I think that that's where as nurses, we struggle is we struggle to prioritize ourselves and to see that we need the help that we need and to accept that we can change these things internally because we're waiting, right? We're waiting for the pay rise. We're waiting for the system to change. We're waiting for the staffing to get better. And whilst all of that will impact our lives and we'll make it better, we're delaying making it better right now because we don't give ourselves the permission to just check in with what we're thinking and how we're feeling and that self-responsibility piece like I wish I could just kind of like implant that in everybody in nursing because I think it would change the whole industry if we just started showing up and looking after ourselves yeah completely agree yeah. um so let's sort of move on to talking about your program that you're running with graduates and kind of where your focus is now so I'm just curious, just give us a bit of a, an overview of, well, I suppose it is from your own experience as well, but from the people that you, you work with now, what are some of the anxieties and things mm. that, that those people are, are going through and, and how does what you're doing now help with that? Yeah, I love that question. So 
We work with graduates in our graduate career launch program, predominantly within Australia, and we work with them in landing and applying for their first job. And we help them with like their CV, their cover letter, the selection criteria in their interview, which is lovely. Um, but really what we're helping them with through that whole program is exactly what we've talked about today, which is normalizing the nursing negative narrative. It's helping them see uh, that everything that they're experiencing is totally normal and that nothing's gone wrong and that you're not broken and missing a couple of chromosomes, <laughs> like everything is all good. And we help them really identify what they want their nursing career and life to look like. We help empower them ahead of time, preventatively, to take control of their careers and the life so that they're not in that reactive fight or flight state when they're in the industry. I truly, truly believe that if we have more people that are have the awareness to be able to manage their thoughts and to manage all of the things that come up as a nurse day to day with the uncertainty and all of the things that happen, that we will be able to build a sustainable nursing career. I think the biggest challenge that people see at the moment is nursing is not a long-term career because of the way it's set up. I feel like I'm not qualified enough at the end of my three-year degree, despite having done all these hours and all this training. I don't believe in my abilities to be able to do this because of X, Y, and Z reasons, whether that's personal life you know, experiences or in the industry itself. And then they've just had ne really negative experiences, like really, really negative placement or university level experiences. I don't know if we have time, but I had somebody this week, it might help somebody that's listening. I had somebody this week reach out to me that felt so underconfident in her abilities, despite being a mature age student, Coming back to nursing after 13 years as an AIN, she took a couple of years off. So she got like over 10 years experience as an assistant in nursing. Came back after having a couple of kids, first year in uni, did really incredibly well at university, got amazing results. And she was told that she uh, was accused of academic misconduct. And this has like spoiled her for the, the second year of her degree. And she's now lost all her confidence and all of the things. And of course, we had a great coaching conversation. But it all came out in the wash and there was absolutely nothing wrong there. But these are the types of experiences that people are having. You know, they're showing up, they're doing their best, they're putting in the work. And then as an industry, like we're just imposing and projecting all of our crap onto each other instead of just being like, wow, you're a mature age student. You've committed, you've done the work. You've got three yeah. kids. How incredible. We need people like you. Yeah, exactly. So we had to talk about confidence and all of the things. So Really, you know, it's the the individual's experience, it's their it's their belief about themselves and it's their perceived fear or worry about what's gonna happen that we try and tackle in this program and show them that even if those things happen, you get to decide, you get to leave, you get to move on, you get to choose a different path. But as long as you're aware of your thinking around that, we help them see that they have all the options and all the choice. It sounds like an amazing program and well. I know you had success with it last year. <laughs> yeah. You're expanding it this year. Yeah. It's, it's clearly a resource and yeah, just support that is going to help lots of people. So well done you for even thank setting you. it up. And yeah, it's amazing work. Yeah, thank you. I think we'll leave it there, Liam. As you know, I love, love chatting to you. And we're obviously going to connect again soon. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and chatting to me today. You're so welcome. Thank you. Always happy to come and chat.